Hello and welcome to Enmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this, would you believe it, is episode 25, a quarter of a century's worth of Enmoots. It's crazy. Um... Yeah, that, that's kind of all I have about the 25 thing. Um, it, I guess it's a, it's a milestone, so yeah, huzzah, I suppose. Um, anyway, this episode is uh, not like the prancing Patreon Entmoot that I did uh, last time, which was released... Oh gosh, it must have been a while back now. It was. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter how long ago it was because it's all irrelevant. Because today's is a different Entmoot, is a different type of Entmoot. Um, because it's a very exciting Entmoot, because it will see the return of humans other than myself. Like a fresh interview uh, is going to be included in this podcast. It's not going to be a tournament because um, tournaments still aren't possible to go to at the moment. Uh, that's just unfeasible, probably until August or maybe uh, maybe even late in July. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But either way. I'm going to have the return of a bit of a chat. So with that in mind, we've got lots of exciting things on today's end. We're going to, of course, do the answer to the riddle in the dark at some point soon. Uh, we'll also build an army uh, for Mordor in a few minutes' time, uh, and we'll give you some updates about Patreon and some of the gubbins later on in the uh, in the show. Uh, very exciting times. Um, lockdown has been productive in many ways for many people. Um, and this whole last m- few months of the year has been very unusual, if you're listening to this uh, in 2020. Um, but it's it's actually been strangely uh, lacking in um, stuff for me. I mean, I, I have been working for a, a lot of the last few months, and without the drive to go to tournaments, um, hobby time has pr- definitely, definitely slipped. I mean, I, I like deadlines. Deadlines keep me going um, and inspire me to do new things, and the podcast has really inspired me to keep up with hobbying. So... Um, I mean, I'm sorry to admit it. As, as uh, maybe as someone who who inspires you to do hobbying, um, I've I've sadly been lacking um, in doing hobbying over the last few months. But it's very exciting to now uh, be feeling like I'm I've got a reason to go uh, paint some models and reason to paint new things and get excited about the game again because I'm going to be playing the game again. It's great. So that's what's happening on this podcast. We're going to be building an army for Mordor, and we're going to be playing the first game since. March of this year, I think it might, yeah, March of this year, maybe even earlier, might have been February. I think it was probably March. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good. So, with that in mind, let's crack on with the program and start by building an army for the one game I'll be playing in this episode. It's gonna be a small end moot. I think it's probably gonna be a mini moot. So, uh, mini moot on the way. But first, let's build an army. With that in mind, we're building an army for Mordor, uh, and uh, yet again, I think I, th- I don't know how, what the percentage is like. I'll have to do some maths um, to find out whether good armies have featured at all or or much in the last year or so. But um, it's going to be another bad, evil army uh, because of the person I'm playing against. And um, I'll explain a little bit later when we talk to uh, Tim, who I'm playing the game against, um, just before we we embark on the journey. But we both decided we want to have something at least resembling a thematic matchup. So with that in mind, you probably can already guess what he's going to bring, but we'll we'll leave it the actual detail for that later. With that in mind, I decided I'm going to go with the Nazgul. Not the Nazgul of Dol Gulder. I've done that a bit already. Uh, not the whole thing, I, I'll admit. But I'm actually going to go with the nine 
I say the nine, it's seven, but I'm going with the seven black riders. I'm sure there must be a point between the uh, uh, between Weathertop and and the Fords of the Bruin and where there are nine or sorry seven ring wraiths on a horse, probably. Anyway, um, it, it comes from. Um, you may cast your mind back to the Seven Stones episode from last year, which would have been around May last year, so um, the tournament itself has been postponed this year. But if you cast your mind back to then, Michael and I, um, who is my double partner, Michael Haskell, uh, shout out to Michael, by the way, um, he and I took the, to our tournament uh, nine ring weights, and we were doing a split. Because of doubles, we had to do 400 points each, I believe, and uh, we had to get nine ring raids in there, so we did a hodgepodge, and I wrote a slightly shonky list, if I'm honest, um, for how to fit in that um, that number, that nine ring raids. And after playing those six games uh, or seven games, maybe, um, I decided I really, really like the idea of playing the nine. I love it. I think it's. I think it works really well. But um, the format that I left them in was very poor. Um, I think I had no fate and a lot of will on some of them and didn't have the Crown of Morgul and all this sort of stuff for the Witch King. So if I was to think of this in a more competitive way, what could I come up with? And I also had a chat with the uh, team at the Green Dragon podcast. Hello, team at the Green Dragon podcast, uh, which was a while ago now. If you look back to an episode called... Make th- I can't remember what it was called actually. It was making thematic the- uh, thematic lists fluffy. Um, I- I'll have to try and remember the title, but it was something along those lines. Anyway, it would have been a while back, probably June last year. So m- in in many ways, uh, just have a- have a look at that, and that will actually uh, solve some of the solve some of the. Uh, the answer some of the questions for this uh, this episode, but uh, or the, some of the tactics and why I've done what I've done. But uh, so feel free to listen to that. It's a, it's a great episode and still pretty much relevant, I think, uh, even though rules might have changed a little since then. Um, so uh, basically, I've gone with seven of the nine ring wraiths. Now that that might seem a little bit odd and unthematic, but I was doing some maths and I found that actually. I quite like the way of uh, the way this will work because it, it it just felt like I had enough resources to actually still manage. I mean, nine is good. Um, you know, nine is great. I, I don't mind nine um, ring raids, but you did. I did feel like I wasn't going to really have enough stuff with each of them. So here's what I've done. Anyway, let's get into the skin list, and then you can make the decision whether you like the list or not. As always, get in touch endmeetpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Facebook. So, starting up with the Witch King of Angmar. So, uh, if you don't know Ring Raids, obviously I have to choose how much will and fate they have, and all the other kit. So, Witch King of Angmar with Crown of Morgul. It's essential. It is essential. Um, I knew it was essential before I took uh, the, didn't take the crown to uh, Seven Stones last year. Uh, it gives you three attacks. It gives you re-rolling for resisting and casting magic. It's just so good, and it's such a bargain. Um, I, it's why you wouldn't take it. I, I don't really know because it just makes it makes every single will point you have worth an extra will point. So in essence, you're already paying if, as long as you've got five will, which of course the Witch King always has more than five will. It just feels like it's definitely worth having. So, uh, and especially when Will is such an important res- resource for uh, ring raids in general. So yeah, uh, uh, Witch King Ramar with Crown of Morgul, uh, very good, very good start on a horse. Of course, uh, I did debate briefly the armored horse, but decided against it mainly because there's going to be so many people to target that 
I don't think it massively matters. Maybe an armoured horse would work, but armoured horse doesn't always help, so uh, I, I decided against it anyway. Um, and I also took the Mogul Blade. Um, I think it's probably a little expensive in terms of or how often I've actually remembered to use it. Probably shouldn't take it because I don't often remember it's even there. Um, but the there are a few cases where I think it probably would be very useful, certainly with trolls and stuff like that. Um, if you've if you've magicked um, wounds off people and they've taken loads of fate points and uh, kept you know for a general or something like that, um, then it can be very useful. Uh, I, but I, I I usually forget to use it. If I'm completely honest. So anyway, um, he's got three points of might. So paying for all the might, all the fate, three points of fate, which again, I could probably do without all three, but three is good. It's always good to have that extra security. Um, and I've gone with 15 points of will. Now, when I originally did this, I did a lot more will, and I think that was a bad decision. I've since played with the Witch King quite a lot, and I reckon you can get away with between 15 and 18. Um, it depends what you're going to use him for, of course. In an army like this, I think... Yes, he's going to be in combat, but he's not going to be smashing into combat a lot because there's going to be so many magics going on that I actually don't think it's essential. But you could probably squeeze a couple of extra points in there and it'd still be worth it. But 15 points of will. Uh, that comes to... I can't remember what the total is. I haven't written it down all here, but I know it was roughly there. So that's good. Then we've got, as a second in command... Now, this is a big change, uh, and this is actually first departure from thematicness. Uh, this is going to be the undying on a horse. Now, I think this is about 130 points. The undying is really good, and in particular, in this particular build of the um, Nazgul, because the undying gets to, basically, you spend a point of will at the start of the undying's turn, and for every successful magic cast around you, uh, you get a point of will back. So... He's a great resource because you've got six other guys in this one, in this list, or you know, nine potentially if you're playing for more points. Um, and every time you cast some magic, which you're going to be doing every turn, at least once or twice, probably every single turn, you're going to be getting lot, and you can get loads of will back. So he, he's just an unlimited will resource basically in this army. So absolutely well worth having. And of course, he's difficult to kill because he's undying and he gets to use his will as fate as well. So excellent. And there's two points of might. So that's always good. So that's the undying. Then I've got five of the same ring wraith. So we've got five ring wraiths on horse, each with two points of might and two points of fate and a total of 10 will each. So that's an extra three will points each. Now, I realise that two fate might be maybe just overdoing it a little bit. Um, and you might think, well, actually, no, two, two points of fate is really useful for this sort of thing because you're making your army more resilient. But it's not exactly that straightforward because in this list, you have you have so many targets that are of a very similar value and I guess it makes it more difficult um, to target stuff because if you say wound once uh, you know cause some damage one take some fate off one then maybe you'd be more likely to target that one again but on the other hand I as the ringwraith player am more likely to move it forward and if let's be completely honest about this people are going to lose track of which one's going to struggle. And yes, they might. I mean, yes, that sounds a bit cheesy and all that sort of stuff, but it's true. Um, if you've got five ring waves that look pretty much identical, yeah, they've got numbers on the bases. Um, but 
you know, it, it just looks, it, it, it's harder to keep track of stuff. And you might forget, oh, which one's got one fate again? Oh, that one. Oh, the one that you moved to the back. Oh, crap, I want, actually want to prioritise the one in the front. Oh, I'll go to the one at the back. Okay, and then the next turn you might, oh, yeah, I still want to get that one at the front. He's going to kill me or anything like that. So um, I'm actually not convinced that two fate is good, but I think it's good assurance in this thing. I've got 10 will on each of them. I feel that's probably enough. I could probably afford to drop a point of fate off each of them and give them a will but I guess if I'm playing against I guess the downside is it's very easy to say if you've only got one fate point you know for armies to just go alright okay I'll, I'll spend a point of might guarantee the wound it's a half and half chance you keep him but you know that sort of stuff Because and that's likely especially against all hero armies that I may well be playing against later so anyway there you go that's the army um, what do you think of this 800 points obviously 7 uh, in the army not 9 uh, well uh, anyway we'll, get, we'll move over that um, and obviously it's got a low break point so 3 this is a, the beautiful uh, all hero army list po- uh, points uh, number value because it's um, it's three three models as you break so once you've got four dead that's um you know i mean you're probably in trouble if you've got four dead and then to get to 25 percent is only one now that could be brilliant that could be a great thing or that could be a disaster depending on the scenario but we'll find out a little bit more about that uh, later on um once we find out the scenario and uh play the game with tim so there we go that's the army um what do you think get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com now uh, before we head on an adventure I think it's time to revisit the riddle in the dark. Riddles in the dark. I'm precious. So yes, last week uh, we set another riddle. Last week, I don't know how long ago it was now. Uh, Last episode we set another riddle, um, which basically is a little clip of audio where you have to tell me who speaks next from the films the hobbit or the lord of the rings films and then you've got to uh, get in touch and tell me what they are uh, sorry who they are and what they say so uh, some of you've been getting in touch about last week's riddle which sounded a little bit like this answer in a second um a few of you have been getting in touch let's have a look at the uh, uh, the emails which is also the time that i read out uh, unrelated uh, riddles uh, unrelated emails about riddles so uh this is from hamish hamish gentles thank you very much hamish for getting in touch i believe you're coming to the tournament uh, in october uh, you've taken up one of the the slots that has uh, just became vacant so hamish thanks very much for getting in touch um hey harry thought i'd nailed last episode's riddle should have gone with my gut that it was bozzer but as you quite rightly say it's a very fitting riddle this episode however right in the feels you say and then you go on to say the correct answer well done hamish you got the correct answer i'll keep this suspense building for a little bit longer uh adam sirens or sirens has been in touch excuse my uh, pronunciation and it's very poor um he says uh hi harry loving the podcast the Boromir one was unbelievably hard, though, the riddle. Uh, made me watch the whole six films again whilst painting my Moranans and Easterlings. It got so much into the flow that I forgot to try and identify the clip. Adam, 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 Adam. It was very hard, though. I absolutely agree. Uh, now, you say, though, you've, you've had a good go at this. You've got it almost exactly right, but not quite. You say, I reckon this... This one is around the time of the 10th ending of The Return of the King. Yes, there were a lot of endings. When Frodo goes off with the elves and Sam returns to Rosie saying, I'm back. 
so I'm guessing your guess is Sam talking to Rosie I'm back that is of course the very end of the film but it's a little bit earlier than that uh, Adam you also say I'll get involved with the Patreon keep up the Trixie riddles Adam uh, Adam, thank you very much yeah do get involved with the Patreon uh, head over to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash battle games in middle earth and you'll be able to find it and subscribe to it and then we're going to do another Patreon um, uh, Prancing Pony uh, at some point uh, in the next six months <laughs> I don't know when uh, probably before um, tournaments get really really going um, I'll do another Patreon episode but it, it does take a bit of time so um, bear in mind of that but it'll also be nice to have some new people to talk to so Adam you'd be most welcome in the Patreon community that's if you don't know what Patreon is it's a way of supporting um, uh, people like myself podcast makers uh, encouraging them to keep doing stuff and you get a few benefits by signing up and paying a dollar or more or whatever per month up as much as you like so uh, feel free to join on their uh, patreon.com slash battle games in middle earth uh, as you say uh, that's that's not right that is not right I'm afraid Adam uh, you were very close though very close let's carry on through the emails we've got Dan Boxholm who gets in touch every single podcast thank you very much Dan really appreciate your continued support um, and you've emailed in saying quite simply Oh yes, of course. That's a great way of uh, putting it. Thanks again for your work, Dan Boxholm. Uh, again, we'll reveal after the last email. Uh, and hi, Harry. Uh, thanks again for the content in these strange times. Says Albert Fraval. Uh, the answer to the episode, uh, the uh, the riddle in the dark for this episode, is very fitting in its tribute to the late Sir Ian Holm. It was the seagull in the background that gave it away. He says, <laughs> "Oh yes, I hope it does." The next line is, of course, Albert says, "I think I'm quite ready." for another adventure looking forward to the next episode cheers Albert you're quite right Albert and I am I mean I I, I didn't know what to do really because um, lots of people were paying tribute to Ian Holm and lots of people have a lot more intelligent things to say than I did um, I saw the uh, battle streams in Middle Earth uh, doing their their special um, they changed the, the stream on the Friday that uh, Ian, uh, Sir Ian Holm died to be themed all about Frodo's and painting Frodo's so Steve and um, uh, Damien did a, a stream dedicated to that and, and I think Lockie did something similar as well talking about Fro- uh, Bilbo's and, and dedicating it to Bilbo and uh, Sir Ian Holm of course and I, I didn't know what to do because I could have just um, spoken about about Syrian home I don't really know much about him other than he was an absolutely fantastic Bilbo and um, it was heartbreaking to hear that he died I mean it wasn't a surprise I suppose he was very, very aged and hadn't travelled very far to uh, he hadn't even travelled for the Lord of the Rings itself uh, sorry the Hobbit films itself to do the final uh, things and he hasn't been in films in a uh, long time now so um, I guess it's not a surprise that he, he, he passed but it's still really very sad and um, to me he will always be Bilbo I mean there's no doubt about it um, I mean Martin Freeman is a perfect young Bilbo but to me Bilbo is the Bilbo that Frodo knows and who you know uh, talks to Gandalf at the start of the the Fellowship of the Ring. So to Ian Holm, um, it was very sad news to hear that he passed. And I, I you know, it's one of those moments when you go, ah, time is passing on, time is moving on. But I hope, uh, and I hope you agree that uh, this tribute uh, is just playing a short clip from Syrian Home um, and ho- making you think of him even if it was in a, a sideways glance um, you know uh, is, a, is a way of a fitting tribute to Syrian Home so in full this was the clip from last week's Riddle in the Dark I think I'm quite ready for another adventure 
I mean, it's, it's sad, isn't it? Still listening to it, it's, it's, it's a p- very poignant moment um, in the film, and uh, with even greater uh, poignancy now. Uh, now after that uh, passing of Serene Home. So, with that in mind, let's find you another riddle um, for this week. Uh, so, as, as always, as always, I'll play you a small snippet. It'll be as tricksy as I can, uh, with just sound and music and uh, maybe a bit of sound effects, or maybe somebody else a little bit coughing in the back uh, background as a bit of a hint for what is coming up next. All you need to do is tell me who speaks next and what they say. Here's the clip. Hmm. Ooh, it's a tricky one, as ever. It's always tricksy. And let's hear it again. Hmm. All right, I'm feeling nice. One more time. Here we go. Hmm. Okay, get in touch if you think you know who it is, who speaks next, and what do they say, of course. Entmoot uh, at, oh, what is it? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the best way of getting in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh, is the email to send it to. You can send it to the Facebook page. It's easier if you send it to the email address, though, of course, uh, because it just lands directly into my inbox, and I can just read it straight away while I'm doing this like I'm doing now. So with that in mind, uh, it's time for another very exciting thing. We've had the army. We've built an army. We've had discussions about riddles in the dark. But for many, many months, we haven't had a chat with someone about a game that we've just had that sometimes must feel very vague to you because I don't still understand how, uh, how, how we, we managed to convey what's going on. But I, I'm glad you, uh, glad you all seem to enjoy listening to it. So uh, context is that... Um, Obviously, m- months has passed since we were able to play uh, a game and visit other people and go to a shop and things like that. Finally, um, my local gaming centre, Imps Gaming, has opened its doors to people who re- pre-book, uh, people who wear masks during their game, people who wash their hands and all that sort of stuff while they're going in. Um, so uh, me and uh, my friend Tim, we had uh, the pleasure of arranging the first game since lockdown, which is very exciting. I'm sure it'll be the first of many to come um, post-lockdown. And we decided, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Tim said, you know what? I just want to play with a Fellowship of Ring. And you know what I said? I said, yeah, I'll conjure up the nine. And then I didn't tell him that I was going to take seven. <laughs> so, with that in mind, we've got seven ring raids, including the Witch King and the Undying, against the Fellowship of the Ring. Let's go on an adventure. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop. I'm already late! Leave for what? I'm going on an adventure! 
Right, so it's the first game back after many months of lockdown and it's been an absolute pleasure to play uh, my good friend Tim. Hello Tim, how's it been? Uh, it has been uh, interesting, both lockdown and tonight's game. <laughs> yeah, it has. Well, we decided because uh, it, it's, it's been so many months that we'd have a thematic army, a th- thematic match-off. Uh, you've already heard that uh, I've decided to bring some of the nine uh, members of the uh, the. Uh, Nazgul, uh, including the Undying and the Witch King. But what did Tim decide to bring? What, just, just give us an idea of uh, the composition of your force for this thematic matchup. Uh, today I brought my, I wouldn't say favourite, but one of my more used armies, which is the Fellowship. And I brought uh, it's 800 points. So I took what my child called a fairly booky Fellowship. So uh, four Hobbits, uh, Legolas, Gimli... Um, Boromir, Aragorn and Gandalf uh, not with a lot of war gear just with the armour on Legolas was it the armour I took on Legolas? I think so Aragorn's snazzy sword and uh, Boromir's shield so yeah, absolutely. A good, a good match. And, you know, uh, it, it, we, I think, the first of all, it's very clear we've not played for months because I made mistakes in deployment. We were meant to be playing Scenario 15 in the Match Play Guide Breakthrough, which has four objectives in a sort of diamond shape across the board where you get various different um, points for different matters. But uh, we accidentally uh, deployed five objectives, or I deployed five objectives, and, uh, and we ended up with an extra objective. But then also lots of other different little mistakes I suppose crept through so just just walk us through the game because first of all um, you know I I did the offensive kind of black darting and managed to take out Boromir fairly quickly which I thought was going to mean oh I've I've sorted you but it it didn't quite pan out like that Uh, no um, uh, we we sort of built a slightly um, circular combat arena in the middle of the table Um, I saw seven mounted ring rates and totally forgot about the magic and just tried to keep out of charge range initially, which let the raids pretty much pepper me with magic. Um, I do, I've never performed particularly well with Gandalf. He's always been a source of much disappointment. Uh, not as disappointing tonight as Boromir, who's basically got vaporized on the first turn. And, well, <laughs> put me back a little bit after turn one with uh, my favorite character in all my armies being dead. <laughs> Yeah, he he was a difficult one. And I, I targeted him first because I thought, you know, as soon as you realise what I'm doing with this, you're going to keep Boromir pretty far away. So I want to get rid of those six might points, especially when um, the the the, uh, the hobbits can use uh, his might for, uh, for nefarious deeds. So I thought that's the first thing to do. Did that. But then after that, I thought, oh, I, I'll be honest. I didn't, I, I made some uncompetitive thematic choices uh, for a brief, brief window, which probably did uh, pay... Uh, uh, lead me to losing quite badly. Well, well, certainly that that decision was a poor one. I moved some of the guys in and charged some people that I didn't need to charge. Really, I could have just hang, hung back, fired off a few more black darts, and waited until um, Tim had run out of uh, a bit more might and a bit more will. That's for certain. But then, of course, uh, immediately after I lost the first roll off, I, I won a couple of roll offs, and then I lost one roll off, and suddenly I didn't have any magic, and you were all over me. Yeah. Um Given that Gandalf normally gets mobbed by lots and lots of people and then dies horribly, uh, his first sort of main action of the game was was a bit of a debate whether I did like a protection of the Valar to try and stop more chaps getting vaporised. Um, but actually I went for a Sorcerer's Blast and uh, with a bit of uh, poor dice rolling on Harry's part, uh, dismounted three three ring wraiths, which changed it a lot. I was expecting after the sort of the first bit for the wraiths to just run around and pepper me. 
um, until I eventually just all died. But instead, it sort of forced a bit of combat in the arena, um, which was very, very, very helpful. <laughs> yeah, and it helped that that, that turn, um, you managed to do that. And, of course, they couldn't do any magic in the following turn. So even though uh, you were slightly out of charge range for most of them, those three, including the Witch King, by the way, um, they, they, were, they were on the bums. They couldn't cast any magic, which meant it was a real real struggle. I didn't have as much magic in that, that crucial turn as I'd, I'd hoped, perhaps. But either way, um, from, from then, on, then on, it was a bit of a dwindling situation with the, um, certainly in terms of will for me, but also in terms of, uh, of, of might and, and ring rates eventually. Though there, I mentioned errors in the game. Um, at one point, the, the, one of the dismounted ring rates somehow uh, ended up being duplicated. I, I think he was dismounted. And then I put his dismount next to him and then didn't take it off, which caused all sorts of confusion. I'm already trying to keep track of which ring wraith has which will points and which might points, however many left. And at one point we realised, hold on, one of them's died, but I've still got the same number on the table. So I guess these, these mistakes start to creep in after three months of lockdown. I think so, because there's a lot of rules that sort of seem to overlap. So um, the undying... Um his ability restoring will is that right i seem to th- I have a feeling we've probably forgot to put a few of those bits bits on with the number of mites will and fate i mean i've just sort of totted up out of all my might will and fate what i've got left and i think i've got the total of six might will and fate points left across the whole fellowship that's still alive and you've got practically no will left it just shows just how many extra dice were being thrown at spells just to get stuff to to come off actually in terms of combat there were maybe only two telling actual close combat battles the rest was a lot of maneuvering um and uh, praying to get the heroic actions to come off um uh yeah so very very interesting for me um i do love the fellowship but they seem to hate me so i'm pleased to have chalked up a a, a minor victory tonight Yes, yeah, it ended up being uh, 5-0 to you in the end, wasn't it? Um, mainly, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I realised that I'd need to get down to one ring wraith to end in this particular scenario, which, which only ends once one force has been reduced to a quarter of its starting number, which for me is 1.75, i.e. 1. So, uh, so basically, I realised not long after any objective-based game is going to be terrible for this kind of force. But then I suppose the, the, the opposite is true. Uh, it would have taken ages for for us to win the game on your side. So actually, relatively even matched in terms of numbers and in terms of how difficult it is to break you because you're, you're not broken until uh, Frodo dies. I'm not broken until I've lost three, uh, sorry, four ring wraiths. So, so actually, it, it was kind of, kind of a strange one. At least we weren't basic battling hordes, I guess. Uh, no, I think from the very off uh, and historically based on games that I've played, I tend to forget about the objectives and get more engrossed in a big scrum while one or two of my opponent's chaps go and nab all the objectives and then uh, I realise that what my actions of killing everyone has ended the game and ha ha ha, I've achieved none of the actual mission objectives. Um, tonight was, I suppose, slightly different in that we were both playing a bit loose, I suppose, compared to what we were if we were really paying attention. But, you know, telling things like um, Legolas and Gimli normally working well as a pair, Legolas did nothing for the entire game, um, Gimli chopped off up against the Undying, who basically refused to die. He did what he said on the tin, but a lot of the combinations from the Fellowship point of view didn't really do an awful lot, I suppose. Mm-hmm. A lot of the overlapping special rules that I often get confused about or forget about just didn't pan out tonight. So Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
That's always a disappointment, isn't it? <laughs> when no, it's, it's not a disappointment. No, not a disappointment at all. I mean, there are a lot of rules. I mean, I've been playing, this must be my second year of playing, and I still have to keep whipping out the rule book to check things and clarifying them. So, you know, there are a lot of little things that when you don't play the same army week after week after week, you either forget the nuances of how to do sort of slingshot methods who's the best person to be going against because really i want to be trying lots and lots of different things so probably half of tonight's game time was probably rule checking time to get over the rust i suppose yeah yeah absolutely it's squeaky squeaky joints for everyone but i mean even even simple things like uh, you know the, the, the layout of objectives didn't go particularly well but then i i, I realized you know i was i thought I had, I had it in the bag because there was a moment where and um, i had just three ring race left on the board uh, one of them being the Undying, and then uh, an, uh, one of the Ringwraiths securely holding the main objective on, in, in the opponent's half, which would have given me four points. I knew the, the, the Witch King had died. That gives you two. But then I, I, I realised too late in the game that I, in order to, to end the scenario, um, I needed to be left with only one Ringwraith, which actually I, cu- I couldn't do because... You were, you were refusing to let me pop my un- undying. I intended to uh, to spend all my will from the undying and one of the other ring waves to get rid of them all in one go, but I, I kept losing um, roll-offs and I just couldn't end up doing that cheeky thing to give me the 4-2 four, four, or whatever it, nil victory it would have been. But uh, either way, th- those sorts of things, I, I, I guess, didn't, didn't pan out in the end. But it was fun because I think, especially for a, a first game back, you know, we all got to use all of the various different rules from uh, from everything you know whether it's magic resisting casting uh, cavalry charges we had uh, we had heroic strikes and and moves and marches and everything going on so i guess that's great that we we can remember some of these things after all this time we had a we had a heroic channeling each i think we both heroically channeled did you heroically resolve no maybe not but heroic channeling was quite exciting it's you know i almost called a a heroic defense so it would have nearly been the whole suite of of stuff and a crafty heroic march at the end so yeah we have gone over quite a lot of stuff given it's been a long time since i've certainly played an actual uh real life game as well so yeah it's been interesting and with a i don't know whether you'd take seven ring wraiths if you're playing a competitive game this i know there was always an element of theme behind this one um so i, I don't know it's an interesting choice to come up against seven ring wraiths certainly for me yeah i mean the, the the theme is an interesting one because obviously i should have gone with nine but i didn't so i did kind of think well a i don't actually have enough ring wraith models myself i, I the last time i played ring wraiths I, I teamed up with my um, doubles partner at a, a tournament so uh, this time i thought well I, i'm going to do seven but also i wanted to give them all a bit of a chance of doing things and i think at 800 points the, the actual army i think although i might have played it badly i think it could could have the potential of being quite good but maybe not against uh, uh, multi-hero armies or uh, i don't know uh, elite armies i think it would handle hordes it would probably struggle against just because I, I wouldn't be able to kill enough guys with black darts to actually make it work i'm not sure i think um part of the problems you've certainly got on your side is the lack of decent fight value um, without striking up and you haven't over your army got an awful lot of might if you're going to be using those to make sure important spells go off I suppose um, and given that I think if you're taking an army that's investing a lot of points in fight five models you've got to have the ability to be winning fights so maybe one on a fell beast I like the look of a you know an old-fashioned sort of flying circus ring wraith army um, 
I'm always going to take this fellowship every time I play it. <laughs> it's it's just so lovely, really. Um, I, I, we've been moved, sort of musing on different ways of playing the fellowship and taking different allies and different bits and pieces. But the fact is, I like this one. It fits in with the book. Um, it's never going to be particularly ace, but it does it does a certain job. Um, I think the sort of seven ring race was quite interesting. Uh, Which king the horses? I, the, the horses were just maybe a little bit of the delicate side if you've got a combination of the fight five and and horses that you can't protect with you know the horse lord and things that's maybe a bit of a weak point to it i don't know how it would really pan out against anything that you actually had to hack things you know, if you had a big horde to hack to pieces fight five is still fairly delicate i suppose but they're tough nuts to crack with the high defenses so yeah yeah that is true i mean the, the one advantage that, that i think i get have against normal hordes is that i'm i'm causing a harbinger of evil and the uh, the terror checks which against a fearless fellowship absolutely hadn't didn't didn't even come into play so I, I it might be all right i mean i've got a lot of i do have a lot of might in the army i've got everyone's got at least two so um you know i've got 15 might or something i think it's 15 might exactly so so actually it's not looking bad but i mean against a fellowship again it's not ideal but either way tim um i think it's great we, we set up this sort of uh, like you say a battle arena which looks vaguely uh, like weather top with some ruins scattered around and a circle in the middle and and playing an ob- uh, objective based game like this that wasn't ideal for either of us but then meant that it was quite balanced and even and I wasn't sure how it was going to pan out uh, it ended up being a really cracking game to 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 break the uh, the stride of all this uh, many months uh, out of action so Tim uh, thank you very much for playing and thanks for talking to me on the podcast again no thank you very much pleasure as always so there it is that's me and Tim thanks very much Tim again for taking part and playing I'm sure he was just as excited to play the games as I was I mean we were really really uh, ropey I must say I mean I made so many mess ups there were strategic errors there were um, just plain old rules errors there were model errors I mentioned there at, at one point the uh, just actually forgetting that uh, you have to take the model off when you replace it with the foot model um, which made things awfully confusing for um which ringways had how many will and all this sort of stuff either way um it didn't matter because i cocked up um generally and i don't think particularly the scenario favored the seven ringways because i needed to have one objective to win the game but it was an absolute pleasure to play the game again and i mean that sounds obvious you know i'm uh, i'm doing a podcast about this game so obviously i like it um but there's something strange about having spent months talking about the game and not actually moving toy soldiers around a table top and throwing dice and measuring things and you know even with a mask on our face that muffled contact and um, irritated my face a little bit um for two hours or however long it was maybe longer um it was great it was an absolute pleasure and i really can't wait to to get some more games in and and i really can't wait for that very first tournament so so there you go that's that's the game that's the bit that's the kind of feature for the episode um i hope you enjoyed um listening to that i hope it provided a little bit of uh, maybe a return to normality uh, all that sort of stuff i mean obviously things aren't normal just yet here in the uk and i know in places around the world lockdowns have restarted and i know that um other countries are experiencing it in different ways um but still and different times but you know still it's great to be it's great to be back at the tabletop playing a game of lord of the rings strategy battle game or middle of strategy battle game what do you want to call it so um we'll, we will return we will return um so other uh, other house news um the great british hobbit league won't be happening um very much in the next month or so until august i think at least um uh, 
events have been suspended until it's fair for all events to have the accreditation from the league so that's a bit of uh, house news if you're involved in the great british hobbit league there is a post in the uh, the gbhl facebook page more detailing a bit more about that and including a statement from the uh, management committee um Ardicon has also been cancelled um since i last did a podcast um which i mean i expected and i predicted twice i was amazed that it took so long to cancel it but i know there are extenuating circumstances from what i understand you can your ticket can just roll over till next year um and it might even be bigger and better next year and more expensive which isn't a great prospect for me but uh, it's not a great prospect for anyone i suppose but either way i'm, I'm certain i'll be there if uh, as long as it doesn't happen it actually quite, works out quite well for me because um in a completely unrelated selfish note uh my uh, cousin was going to get married um and i had to go to the wedding i mean i wanted to go to the wedding but i had to go to the wedding and um, as opposed to play toy soldiers so i wouldn't have actually been able to go for the whole time of Articon, uh, which i wasn't notifying people about because i thought i might be able to wangle away around it and it turns out so, uh, the world has created a pandemic to allow these things to happen great uh not <laughs> i know that sounds a bit um um insensitive but um it, it's true so uh yeah I, I do get to go to my wedding and hopefully to Articon next year if it happens so looking forward to seeing you all there uh, at Articon. and finally uh, in talk, talking of looking forward to seeing you at places um as as i record this um, it may change and literally before i publish this um there are still spots at my tournament i know i mentioned a couple of episodes ago that um that it had sold out which i was very very uh, amazed by um but of course people do change their plans and uh, you know all that sort of stuff weddings and babies i believe and uh, going abroad uh, as part of the army and things like that uh, so a few people have dropped out um i mentioned earlier hamish has picked up one of those tickets but there are still tickets available so if you think you would like to come to lincoln in october then absolutely get in touch with me as soon as you possibly can. Email entmootpodcast at gmail.com or you can search in the GBHL events section for the Lord of the Imps. Uh, it's got a lot of complicated rules to make uh, make your games a lot more fun. So um, head, head over to that and find out more details about that. Finally, um, I think in the last episode I might have teased ahead to doing more videos. Um, something went wrong with my videos, uh, so I, I didn't end up doing a video. And it's and I, you know when you you went up school, pri- uh, secondary school, when you used to like do some homework, and then uh, you'd accidentally delete it, and or an essay, or it wouldn't save properly. The floppy disk didn't work properly, as I vaguely recall happening a couple of times when I was uh, in primary school. Um, if those, if you've ever heard of a floppy disk, um, kids. Um, and you know what? You know you kind of you've written that brilliant essay, and you think, yeah, I've finished it. I've done my homework, and then somehow it goes wrong, and you have to redo it. And you just think, oh, this isn't the same. I'm not doing it well anymore. I don't, my heart's not in it. I've already written this. I don't have to do it again. Well, that's what I felt like doing some of my videos because I lost some of the footage. Um, some reason the audio didn't record on the footage, so I can see myself miming um, and no noise coming out, which is very irritating. So uh, I've, I, I'm going to have to re-record that. But so it, there are some YouTube videos coming, um, but they're they're just a bit. I guess, uh, yeah, they've taken the back burner because I was just so disheartened by the idea of having to redo the same thing over and over again. Um, but luckily, there are lots of other video producers out there, uh, including uh, Guardians of Wiltshire. Uh, Devi is doing some cracking stuff at the moment, and so is uh, Out the Frying Pan podcast. Um, shout out to both of you guys, um, for, well, I'd say both of you as podcasts, um, I know there's more, multiple people involved in both things, but um, the video uh, of the Helm's Deep um, creation that uh, Stu has done from out of, uh, out of the frying pan is absolutely amazing. I mean, if you've seen the pictures, I mean, I I, I had a go at dabbling with um, 
with some uh, some ter- terrain, some scenery, not so long ago on video, and uh, Stu has really just put me to shame. Like maybe he's, that's why I did the video. He thought oh, I can do so much better than this, and he absolutely can. It looks amazing. Um, the the Helm's Deep. If you search for Out of the Frying Pan podcast on YouTube, I'm sure you'll be able to find it, or at the very least, just listen to them, and he'll keep mentioning it, and then you'll you'll pick it up. Um, but it's great. Try that out. And um, Devi has been doing some cracking stuff from. Uh, the Guardians of the Wiltshire just doing loads and loads. He did the Middle Earth quiz a few times, which I've I've done most of most of them. I missed one of them, um, and he's done he's done these interviews with loads of people in the community, and he's done the factions and legendary legions, and there's just videos coming out of the wazoo from um, Devi at the moment. So yeah, absolutely, crack on and have a look at those things if you're interested. So uh, even if you're um, you know an avid watcher of the Battle Games of Middle-Earth YouTube channel. There's plenty of stuff out there. And of course, there's all the streams and uh, uh, various things that people like Lockie and uh, Damien and uh, St- uh, Steve are doing and all that sort of stuff. So uh, do check all of those people out. I, I always uh, give credit where credit's due and point you in the right direction because uh, I'm not the only person producing content and let's be honest, I haven't done a lot of, it, of that myself in the recent months. Uh, but if you do uh, do really want to support me and want to chiver me along a bit into encouraging me to do more content, then... Um, one of the great ways of doing it is a mentioning it to people when you talk about the game say hey have you listened to Entmoot that's great Uh, or hey have you listened to Entmoot it's alright but it's like one of the only podcasts talking about uh, the the game so yeah you should check it out because it's one of the only ones Um, then absolutely feel free to do that Um, that's the best way of doing it share the love Um, Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube as well there's lots of um, painting videos on there which I haven't done much of recently but I'm going to crack on and do some more maybe um and if you really, really think that you that you know I deserve some um, some chivying on, then head over to Patreon. Uh, I mentioned it earlier: p a t r e o n dot com slash Battle Games in Middle Earth, and uh, you can pledge your support. And as a part of a, a sort of uh, a thank you for that, I'm going to do another Patreon special podcast, and this is just basically uh, challenging um, people to come up with a list and seeing whether we can whether we would thrash one another in a game or not. Um, and this is particularly, I suppose, targeting those people who I definitely won't be able to play a game against unless maybe they're in, in the country for some reason or they're planning to travel to Articon or whatever. But it was great to, in the last episode to talk to uh, some people from around the world um, and that I've never played before anyway. So, uh, yeah, yeah. if you want to do that, there's a special episode last week all dedicated to it. The Sign of the Prancing Patreon, I believe it's called. And... Um, Yes, if you join in, you'll be able to take part in that and potentially other things in the future as well, That I, if I can think of other things. Um, other than that, thanks very much for listening. I think we've pretty much summed everything up at the moment. Uh, there will be another episode. I will not promise it at any point anytime soon, but fingers crossed, tournaments restart and everything all starts getting back to normal. Fingers crossed. There's no second lockdown. Uh, all right, thanks very much for listening. And, uh, of course, as ever, boo rum Thank you.